0: Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and renewal of our world. We're so glad you're listening. Okay, so welcome. Uh, Please humor me here for just a moment as I talk about football again. Let me get this out of my system. Uh, I did not plan to go to two big football games within six days of each other. Five, five days of each other. That wasn't my plan. Uh, it just It's just ironic, coincidental how it happened on the calendar. One was my cousin, you know, at coaching uh, at Ohio State last weekend. Then a pastor buddy of mine, I just mentioned him, Jason, who's in Wisconsin, two and a half hours from Green Bay. We've been talking for three or four years about, man, someday he's been to four or five games at Lambeau. And every time we, it comes up, I'm like, that is a bucket list. Oh, my gosh, I would love to go to Lambeau. And we realized... Month and a half ago, uh, the Packers have a Thursday night game, and that's more attractive. That he said, if you if you can get yourself here, Brad, I'll cover every. I'll get the tickets. You'll have a place to stay, and so I found a pretty cheap flight. And so <clears throat> this actually kind of set in for me as a setup to our 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 point this morning in this series where we're 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 talking about how to. And we conclude the series today with how to have actual hope, real hope. And I was thinking about, you know, growing up as a football fan, as a kid, as a teenager, I was going to play football. I was going to go to Notre Dame and I was going to be a receiver. And then I'd play in the NFL, maybe 10 years, maybe 12. I hadn't decided, you know, uh, that, that was just my dream. That's that was what was going to happen. And then, of course, that, that changes late in my high school years. Uh, But I've watched countless games on television from the Horseshoe at Ohio State and from Lambeau. I've just, you know, just so, so, so many games. And I've just dreamt of someday I would love to see a game in one of these stadiums. And it's interesting how this relates to the concept of hope and how wrong we are in Western culture, in America, in the English language, how we use the word hope we often, I'm going to say usually, use the word incorrectly. For years, when I'm thinking, wow, someday, wouldn't it be nice? Or, you know, I'd like to try maybe, or I hope to someday see Lambeau Field. I even use the word hope, but I'm not talking hope. I'm actually not having hope when I use language like that. This is more along the lines of wishful thinking. That's not hope. It's not the hope that Jesus meant, and it's not the word the apostles are using in the New Testament when they're describing something of God's heart for us that gets infused inside of us, and it changes the way we think about the future. That's hope. And we're going to spend a few minutes on that this morning as it leads us to the Last Supper, to to the Lord's table. We use expressions and phrases like, man, I hope so. Or wouldn't it be nice someday if. Or I hope Pastor Brad is right about eternity. We will use the word hope. We're not actually speaking hope. We're speaking a, I don't know if it's true, but I'd sure like to believe it is. And it's, it actually falls under the category of wishful thinking. Thinking and dreaming about, it, and maybe one day, one day I could see Lambo, or maybe, maybe I'll finally get to Ohio State, you know, the second biggest stadium in the country. Uh, that's not hope. Hope actually began in me regarding these stadiums, in this football example, uh, in July at a family reunion, when my cousin said, you know... Uh, Home games in Indiana are hard. It's hard for me to spend time with family, but away games, I have more time and we're playing at Ohio State. And I was like, wow, wait a minute. I pull out my calendar. We're looking at our calendars. That's the moment, the first time in my life, all the times I envisioned maybe someday being at a game at Ohio State. Someday, maybe, boy, wouldn't it be great. Hope actually began in July when it started to feel close. It started to feel like reality, and I began anticipating. And see, that's the word. Hope that Jesus refers to, hope that the apostles are talking about being embedded into our minds and hearts is anticipation. I'm close. Something's coming. I can feel it. I can taste it. That language is different. Hear the difference in that language? There's an excitement like I can, I can smell it. It's only a few years away. It's only, it's, it's, it's getting closer. It's only a couple months away. And then my buddy in Atlanta, when, when we had a retreat a month and a half ago, a, a lead pastor's retreat at North Point, he was like, you know, the Packers have a Thursday night game. And pastors who can't go to very many games on Sundays were like, wait a minute. That's when hope began. And I start planning. I look at flights. As I'm looking at flights, it's like, wait, this, this is becoming reality. And this is the hope that Jesus was talking about. Dictating your future. Defining your past and not allowing your past to dictate your future. But a different kind of future that he has for you. For your relationships. A different future from the financial strain or the divorce. Or the parenting stress something new, maybe, maybe a different future from your mental health experience. Like real hope where you're anticipating and knowing and I can taste it, something's begun that's different. This is hope that is the anticipation of good. That's actually the definition of the New Testament, new Testament word. Hope is the anticipation of good, not the... Boy, I hope they're right. Boy, I hope, I hope there is a heaven. A lot of days I think there is. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't blame you for thinking this way. We're all trying to figure the future out, but that's, that's wishful thinking. Jesus came and did something to change the trajectory of planet Earth and to change your future so that you and I can actually walk in the space and reality of hope that there's something new that's unfolding. There's something different that's going to redefine my past, or my ugly, or my mistakes, or how I've been treated. He's up to something in my life, and I can feel it. Is feeling the word? I don't know if it's feeling. It's confidence. See, this is the stuff of hope. Our human nature, the the selfish, broken part of our reality on this, this planet, which is far different from Eden. Eden was broken and chaos was introduced to God's plan of good when we decided to take control from God. We talk about this often. We're trying to put into perspective what's really wrong with our world. What's actually wrong with our world is humans replaced God at the center of our universe, and we we placed ourselves at the center. We tried to take control. We tried to be God, and it broke the universe. It broke creation. And as as a result, you and I don't function the way we were designed. We don't look at our past. Often, we don't look at our past the way we were intended to, the way we were designed to, and we don't look at the future the way you were created to. We often... Our human nature now is, our tendency, our temptation is often to look back with regret. We look backwards with some kind of shame or some kind of pessimistic view that affects us now and affects our future, maybe in how we were treated, how others have interacted with you, or maybe a decision that you made that you just can't shake free from, and your your reality in looking backward is now defined by regret and our tendency our temptation is to look ahead to look into the future with anxiety this is human nature now not in eden but in a broken world this is one of the results of us trying to be in control instead of god being creator god having the perfect plan god's timing being right we want our timing we want what we want and One of the byproducts is our heart, our inner thinking, our our mental view of the future is often one of anxiety. And anxiety poses as fear, and fear poses as anxiety. Sometimes it's hard to separate the two. And they often can lead to a view of the future that is one of despair. And you and I were not designed to live looking ahead with despair. We were created... The original intent for you and me was to look backward with gratitude. What an appropriate week to talk about that. You were created to look backwards. Thankful. And now, even in the broken version of the world that we're in, Jesus and how he renews the ugly and the pain and the hurt, we're, we're, we're able to look back even at hurt in broken situations, with gratitude, because we see what God is wor- what He's turning the ugly into, what He's taught us, how we're growing. Jason and I, in our drive from his house, a couple hours north to, to Green Bay, we got into this conversation about just a hurtful, challenging part of my uh, not too distant past. Five years ago, went through a real painful experience. And, you know, I I got to some point in the story. I said, but Jason, you know, we're we're talking about the past. I've got to say this. I wasn't even thinking about my message today. I really wasn't. It it just, I said, I've got to tell you the way God does what he does when we allow him. Now, Amy and I just had this, it's so odd. I wouldn't have thought this five years ago, but I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for this experience. What we've learned, some of what I've learned about my leadership, some of what, it just... I'm grateful to see how God, again, just walks with us in such a way to say, no matter what you go through, I've got you. And there's something sweet about that, Jason. You know, like, I, it's so odd that I'm describing this, you know, this hurtful moment in my life, but I'm, I'm now just thankful to God. We were intended to be creatures who look backward, look into the past with gratitude. And you know where I'm going with this. We were designed to look ahead, to look at tomorrow, to look at the next 10 years with hope. We talk often here about these recent studies that are coming out of so many universities and so many surveys. It's, just, it's, it's overwhelmingly consistent how this is the most anxious generation that America has ever seen, maybe the world has ever seen. We become more technologically advanced. We, that there's this idea of modernism, uh, evolution modernism, where we're, we keep evolving in, in advancements in technology, and yet it s- is seemingly having no change on the human heart in our ability to be divided and to hurt one another. And God wanted you and me all along looking ahead with anticipation. This was designed for you and me. And so many people, all they can see is, sometimes warped and defined because of their past, they see an anxious future. Scripture talks a lot about hope. It's like this new experience, this new reality that arrived with Jesus. It's not a wishful thinking. It's not just this religious concept like. Try to be positive. I think that's what we hear a lot. Maybe, maybe that is what you heard maybe in, in your church experiences. Of, you know, just try to be positive. You're, you're a follower of Jesus. You need to try to put on a happy smile. That is not the context of hope that we are presented with. Jesus came with this new experience that now, even in our broken world, and the challenges you're going to face with a boss or work or at school, with friends that disappoint you, there is still this reality because of something remarkable Jesus has done that changes everything about the future. Yes, eternity, but yes, tomorrow and this week. Where you don't have to be imprisoned by fear. or the anxious thoughts of what could go wrong again or what may not happen, or how you may be treated. There is a God who has come into your life, and has, he loves you so much, regardless of your past, what you've chosen, who you thought you were. He has a future for you that is good. And if you go back to Eden, and we look at God's creation, it was good, and the second day was good. Every aspect of what God created was good, and then he comes to human beings and men and women. And we were made, unlike anything else in creation, in the image of God, and we were very good in the sight of God. That adjective, very good, this emphatic, good, good, it's remarkably beautiful and good. All that I've made and the pinnacle of God's creation were human beings. And Jesus has come to restore and to begin moving us back to this place where we can actually anticipate good in the days ahead, in our future. And in Scripture, in all the descriptions, all of the teachings of hope and this new view and this new reality, there's just two. In just a few minutes here, there are two very short examples, one from Paul, one from Peter. And I actually want to focus on two adjectives they use. So the first is from Peter. This is in 1 Peter chapter 1. This is what Peter says in describing this hope. Not a, hey, try to be positive, people of God, young church. Peter's not writing some kind of like mental exercise here. He's talking about a new reality that we become possessed with. That's outside of our own ability to just conjure up happy thoughts. He's he's talking in this context here about Hope that is a completely different view of the future. And he says praise, he starts with gratitude. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In our Father's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. These can sound kind of like church words, like perish or spoil. Peter is using this provocative language in his day to say, an event has happened because of God's great mercy. He sent his son, God has come into our world, and he conquered death. He took on death. He took death unto himself and all kinds of death. Not just your future old body death. He took the death of relationships. The death of mistakes. You experience death in your life, from, in your dreams. In your confidence to interact with people. In your view of yourself because of choices you've made. He took all of our death on the cross. And because of his resurrection, now one who has power over dead things... And things that limit and hold back humans, we have a hope that's living. It's pulsating. It, 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 it affects you in your drive home after the conversation with the boss who's a bully or who's an egotistical, selfish, fill in the blanks. I mean, or after the hurt or the, the broken marriage. There's something now that's running through your veins, your heart, your mind, that's saying the future, that God has something different in mind. Something that's alive. It's not a fantasy. This is not a fantasy story. Peter's not describing some kind of religious concept. He's describing a person, this living hope is hope in a person. And not, not a person who was just wise and said really, really smart things or just kind of com- compelled poor communities 2,000 years ago, but a person who came back from the dead. Our hope is in someone who has power over death, who has power over humanity's broken. And failed and diseased, hurtful experiences. Resurrection reversed a future of death, or heartache, or hopelessness. On my flight uh, home, a couple days ago, I, I flew out of Chicago and uh, sat next to this woman. We just started to chat, and uh, I said, "Are you? Are you? Do you live in Chicago?" Or headed back to D.C. And she said, well, I live in Chicago, but I'm flying to Ghana. And I said, oh, wow. Uh, are you from Ghana? And she said, I am. And we just chatted. And I said, I've got a friend from Ghana. Uh, and, and it must have been that. I think I, I was trying to figure it out later. Why did she ask me if I know Jesus? It was a few minutes later. We were kind of silent. And she just turned to me and said, uh, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and I said, Why? Yes, I do. You know, no, no, that, that's creepy. I didn't, I did not say that. I said, yeah. And I, I, it must've been, I don't know. I don't know if it was because I have a friend from Ghana and I just offered that. I I don't know why she asked. So we just chatted, you know, uh, on the flight. And uh, I asked her, you know, you're going back since COVID, you know, is like to visit family. And she said, my mom died. And This is like the official burial, and we're going to celebrate her life. And we landed, and, you know, I really, I I know pastors are just creepy people, and, you know, uh, I I tried my best to just, you know, there was a packed flight, and there's somebody next to, I was on the window, and somebody on the aisle, and I just whispered to her as we're taxiing into our gate here, hey, could I pray for the, the rest of your trip? And she said, oh, my gosh, I would love that, you know. So I just prayed this simple prayer that this would be, a, you know, a trip that would be beautiful. And, and man, it, it's like it was scripted for this morning. I didn't even have this thought for the message until I think late last night. Uh, we're saying goodbye. Like, oh, it was really nice to meet you. Have a great, you know. Um, and she turned and said, hey, tell your people at your church. I said, hi. Her name's Tina. So hi from Tina. And she said this. And it it, it, wasn't, it wasn't this religious. It wasn't churchy. It was like alive. She said, tell them, I'll see them in the future. I'll see you guys in heaven. The confidence. She wasn't being weird. She knew it. She knew it. She's going to a funeral. Maybe the hardest week of her life. There's something different about her future. Something's happened. Someone's done something to change the way she looks at the future. Man, it was just so infectious. I, I already believe. And I'm like, I believe even more now. Like Tina's got me excited about the future. One more adjective. This one's from Paul. This is in Titus chapter 2. As we wait for the blessed hope. Now this can sound super churchy. The word blessed, blessed, I actually don't use this word very much. Um, it's, be, it's becoming in English kind of more religious. We're, we don't use it in everyday language, you know, like maybe a hundred years ago, but, but it's a powerful word. Blessed means good is done. May good be upon you. May something effective, it's, it's like tangible. It's not like, hey, well wishes for your life or uh, I'm manifesting good for you. <laughs> I just think that's kind of a crazy statement. It's, it's a, when someone says, may you be blessed or blessings upon you or something, it's a, may something effective and tangible that is good be on your life. That's, that's what the word blessed or blessed means. Paul says, as we wait for the blessed hope, the life altering, the creative, the new, new creation kind of life, as we wait for the ultimate blessed hope, and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. He gave himself for us to set us free from every wrong, and here it comes, and to cleanse us so that we could be his special people who are enthusiastic about doing good things. The blessed hope that we have... ...is so effective in us, it motivates us, it makes us enthusiastic... ...or maybe a, maybe a more accurate English translation today in our vernacular would be uh, eager. It's such a hope that has gripped us, regardless of maybe a funeral we're going to... ...or the, the challenging job that we have. This hope has been so infused in us by God's spirit... ...we become eager to share the good with others... Where you're like, I'm kind of a selfish person. Why do I keep finding myself wanting to do good for others? What's happened to me? It's this hope that has gotten inside of you. It's changing the way that you think about your time. The way you spend your time. You're, 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 carry, you're, more, you're more empathetic. You're thinking about the person at work that just seems to be struggling or having, or they're just a little bit eccentric or, Everybody kind of avoids, I don't know, I just kind of want to befriend. Where is this coming from? It's coming from a hope that is repositioning your future. The trajectory of your future is changing because something of God's reality has gotten a hold of your spirit. Jesus has done something that has changed everything. He makes dead things alive. My past, my hurt, that relationship... Oh, I wish I could, uh, the the parenting regret. We just want to define ourselves by the past. And Jesus is saying, it's in my power. It's in my life. It's in my ability to do something with regret and pain and ugly and bad choices and death. Everybody's trying to figure out a better future. Elon is trying to convince us. I'm a space geek. I stayed up till almost 2 in the morning watching the Artemis launch last week. That was a mistake before going to a Green Bay Packers game. Uh, I I love space. I love that we're going to be walking on the moon again in a few years. But Elon is trying to convince us that this world, we have this innate awareness that the future, the world, with our technology, we're we're not headed in a good place. He's trying to convince us if we don't colonize another planet, our species will go extinct. And that's his way of saying, of processing, something's broken. And we can't figure it out. And his solution is Mars. Mars is our only hope. We're all looking for hope. We're all looking for something that will change everything. And Jesus is trying to pull us back to say, you're not going to do it. Look at your racial divide today. You're in 20 freaking 22 How long is it going to take you guys to figure out you can't solve the human condition? Something's broken in here. If I offended you for saying "frickin'," I apologize. Uh, Please don't let that be a distraction of, of the point. We are desperate to figure out a better future. And I am convinced, I know I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to say these things. Let me just say this as Brad is your friend Brad. I have become more and more convinced as a follower of Jesus, he's it. He's the hope. He's the complete hope for the human condition. Like a, the real kind of hope. There's a link between hope and dreaming you may not think of yourself as a dreamer, or maybe you've lost the ability to dream. I don't know that I fully understand, you know, how hope and dreaming go together. But I used to dream about things like pastoring a really big church someday, with lots of people, and you walk into. The, and I, I really, genuinely don't believe it was ever in my heart about me being up on a stage in front of lots of people. I don't. That, that never. I, I sincerely mean, I don't believe that ever was the motivating factor, but it was walking into a room where the music was big and people were excited about something that's life-changing and there's multiple buildings. And <clears throat> I dreamt of our church having enough resources to just sort of simply out in part of our property have a golf green, not a, not a, not a fairway, just a green, a putting green, where we could invite our neighbors. Hey, come putt let's hang out and talk and have a drink, like actually on the church property. And there's nothing wrong, of course, with big churches or lots of people or the music that's pulsating when you walk in or the the excited. There's nothing wrong with a church that might have a golf green. So their friends can invite, you know, they can invite their friends or neighbors to come just hang out. And, but my dreaming, my thinking about the future has is I, as I walk with, Jesus more, is I learn more of his heart, and maybe, maybe we'll be a super big church someday, or maybe we'll have multiple buildings someday, or even a golf green. I, that, that's not the point. I, the point is what drives my dreams or my look at the future now. It's things like this, and I'm going to go through this list quickly. I dream of my girls making a difference in the world. I spend a lot more time thinking about that now than walking into a room where it's just the momentum is palpable, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know if my girls will make a, a difference in the lives of 10 people or maybe, maybe one. But boy, I find myself thinking a lot about that. Like, how cool would it be? I dream of humans who are united, caring for one another, and who do not choose division. And I wrote in my notes, ever. <laughs> Is that realistic before Jesus returns? Maybe not. Probably not. But I believe, I'm convinced, he's returning. And that will be the reality. And so I dream about it. I think about it. Wow, how amazing it will be when humans do not choose division ever. I dream about being part of a church that reveals to our neighborhoods and the world around us. And maybe this will happen with a few of our neighbors or friends on December 3rd. At the tree lighting. Wow, there's, there's a church at Lightridge, and they're trying to help neighbors in need. A church that reveals to our neighborhoods and the world around us that Jesus church is the most exciting idea on earth. Going to the moon's pretty cool. What's happening in medicine is a, it's, it's remarkable. What it's, but none of it changes the human heart. And Jesus has created his church to be a movement where his reality is experienced in the world. That, I dream of being a part of a church, that us showing that, revealing that. I dream about meals with friends who laugh together long into the night. I think a lot more now about those kinds of things than the kind of stage I walk up on or how many seats are filled. or I mean, how amazing would that be if every seat in this room was filled someday because Jesus has become compelling by you and me to our neighbors and friends. But what, what has captured my dreaming are things like this list, and I could keep going on and on. I dream about people experiencing no more pain, no more death, no more heartbreaking goodbyes. Again, that's not going to happen until after Jesus returns, but it's going to happen. I'm going to get to experience that. And it just, it changes the way I look at challenges and tomorrow and and so this brings us to this table. In just a moment, <clears throat> yeah, and, and band, I'm gonna invite you to come. The band's gonna close our morning out here. In just a, just a moment here, I'm gonna invite you to stand and come to the table and take back to your seat a piece of the broken bread and the cup of juice. The reality that Jesus did not come here to create some religion and there's going to be crucifixes hanging in cathedrals all around the world because he wants religious people thinking about these mysterious acts in history that we don't fully grasp, but they're important. Jesus came to go to that cross to take from you your own death, selfishness, your human tendencies that you were not designed to choose or walk in. And he came to take on that cross your hopelessness and my hopelessness. And the cross goes hand in hand with the resurrection. It's really meaningless if he just did this remarkable act and three days later he doesn't defeat death and say to you and me, I actually have power even over death. The death in your life. The death, things that will eventually physically kill you. I have power over that now. But I have power over every kind of death. And if you choose me, you choose my life, you will begin to walk in hope. You will begin to walk in in anticipation that my past, my choosing, challenges, challenges, the boss, the job that I, parenting, there's something new happening in my life. And it's so good, I want to share it with others. And so the table is an invitation. There's not much drama in it this morning. We're not going to use really important mood music. We're going to just, we're going to stand. And if you choose to walk into this space of hope, a hope that you can't create for yourself. And no company and no technology is gonna accomplish it. A person has done it. He's our God and he offers it to you freely to consume the hope that he offers you. Then the invitation is for you and me. Like he offered to his disciples that night to come to the table and take of the piece of bread in the cup of juice that represents his spilled blood. So with that, you're invited, if you'll stand. And if this is a choice of your life or you know this is the moment that's right, I invite you to the table. Take the elements back to your seat and in just a couple of minutes, I'll lead you in the eating and drinking together. You're invited to the table. It still amazes me that the disciples didn't get it. We have paintings. We have a, a family here in church that just got back from Italy and the re- Renaissance could maybe be defined by so many paintings of that moment at that table. It was such an ingenious design of our God. The disciples couldn't get it on that side of the resurrection. Your body... What? You're about to defeat Caesar. They're still thinking political overthrow. They they couldn't grasp the concept that Jesus was going to give up his life by taking on our death and overthrowing death. And within 40 days, we're, we're hearing from the apostles. This is a Who could have conceived what the plan was? And so with that, it's a symbol. It doesn't minimize the significance or the sacred of this moment. To understand that this represents the broken body of Jesus. When he says, consume, take into you, we're saying, Jesus, possess me with a different view of the future one that actually anticipates good in every situation. Regardless of the circumstance, I know you're at work because I know your power. And so with that, we eat together. culture it just seems super morbid that an animal had to be slaughtered for the family of Israel for each family we just don't understand that but in God's justice system death was required for death for brokenness for selfish choosing And this cup represents Jesus saying, I'll be the lamb. I'll I'll be it. I'll be the ultimate sacrifice. So when we drink this, we're saying, Jesus, we recognize that you took all hopelessness, all of my death on you from me. We drink together. as we, we finish the words of the song. We say thank you. This week where we mark our calendar with this act, what greater gratitude could we have but for a God who stood in our place so that we could be people of hope, true hope. Thank you.